Welcome back to the Audacity Podcast. I am Janae, your host, and I'm sitting here with Alex, your co-host. And today's episode is a birthday edition for, for me, Janae. Uh, and in this birthday edition, we are going to be sharing, we as an I, I'm going to be sharing nine lessons I've learned this year because I'm turning 29. Grab your tea, take a seat, and get ready to embrace and learn from our audacity. You guys know the drill. Before we get into that riveting conversation of self-discovery, we are sharing our audacious moments of the week. And I think my most audacious moment um, of this week would be uh, Ethan's journey on TikTok, honestly. Okay. <laughs> honestly, it's it's just funny. Um, in general, it's funny because he is now a TikTok expert. Um, and I'm sitting here like, nobody really knows TikTok. <laughs> oh my God, I was so unprepared to have this conversation already. Oh my God. No one really knows TikTok. So he's like, oh, I got it down. You know, he did go viral. Like give his, his claps to him. Very confident. He did <laughs> post a video and it did get so much love um, on TikTok. It's like, woo, great numbers. But to claim yourself an expert is a little audacious. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is kind of luck based anyway at this point. Like, nobody knows the algorithms. Literally. So, like, no one knows how to and I think, it. I think they actively update it. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, it's, it's definitely been funny. Uh, it's been funny, but he, he's he's a TikTok expert, so I need to take my cues from him. Obviously, I would agree that and, uh, that's been audacious. And start taking notes. <laughs> that man feels very powerful right now. He's, he's sipping on that TikTok power. Okay, that viral <laughs> yeah. that viral power. One hundred percent, he is. Oh my god. Um. Okay, my audacious moment was uh, I was at a bar last week, and there was this woman that was like waiting to order, and she was kind of standing like. There weren't a ton of seats, like, at the bar. So, like, people were sitting and ordering whenever, and then she was kind of standing, like, behind that, which I was, too. And to be fair, I was doing photos, so I wasn't actually, like, hanging out. So I was people watching for the most part. Yes. And so I was people watching this woman, and she <laughs> she, she was, like, visibly a little frustrated. And the bartender moved on to, like, a ne- the next person in line, which were two people that were sitting up at the bar. And then she, like, comes walking up to the bar, and she's like, I've been standing here for 15 minutes. And she's like, I never do this, but I just, I really want, like, I've been standing here, and if I don't get something to drink soon, my husband and I are going to leave, and blah, blah, blah. And it seems like she low-key may do this often. No shit. And I was like, <laughs> and so I'm standing there watching her, and I was like, this is kind of rude, but okay. And then the bartender's like, I'm so sorry, what would you like, blah, blah, blah. So she takes her order, and she goes to make it or whatever. Well, and then also, not to mention, she didn't know what she wanted when she got up there. So then she's, like, going over the menu with this bartender. And she's so like, she was throwing, this, she was throwing a hissy this. and didn't even know what she wanted. Yes. And okay. then she got up there and she's taking more time. So I was like, and those other two women were very gracious. And they were like, oh, yeah, like, go ahead. So I'm so sorry. Like, whatever. We didn't, You're like, we're we didn't, not in a rush. We didn't know you were waiting because you weren't freaking sitting here. Like, you yeah. were a whole row behind everybody. So anyway, the bartender takes care of her and she, like, walks away to go, like, make everything. And then this lady turns to the two women that she basically caught in line and was like, I'm so sorry. I never do this. I'm not that kind of person. I just, like, I don't know what happened. I'm actually really sorry. Like, she just kept, like, profusely apologizing and just, like, saying that she's not that kind of person. And you I was saying that I was, like, my facial expression because I'm, like, everything you're saying proves that you, you are, are that 100% type of, that, that type of person. person. <laughs> like, what? 
It's Are like, it's okay. Talking, which is, I never do this. And I was like, I really don't believe you. I'm, I would love to believe you, but you sound like a liar. <laughs> I was like, this is Stop. ridiculous. So anyway, that's my audacious moment. It was kind of fun to witness, but at the same time, I felt bad for that bartender lady because she was nice. Aww. <laughs> We're getting spicy this time around, and I Not get to start spicy. with the intro. I'm very excited. I never get to talk first. <laughs> if I'm you kidding, would like kidding, to I'm take kidding, the kidding. baton. I do not want to talk first. I'm kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. Um, so we're going to step into Janae's nine... Uh, re- what is it? Is it questions or lessons? Like lessons? Okay. Nine lessons. lessons from this year. Just this year, which is hard, right? I mean, you can't like think of your life past this year, which is kind of difficult. It's like, kind of weird. Well, it's not weird because I feel like this has just been such a weirdly pi- like pivotal year for me. And I, I think originally I would have thought like the year I became a mother was yeah. like extremely pivotal. pivotal. But <laughs> I feel like this year, this year is the year that I've been like, holy shit. I've just learned a lot about myself. I think I've learned a yeah. lot about just the general, like my general surroundings and mm-hmm. like outside other, other circles. <laughs> yeah. um, that I feel like I've just gained a lot of lessons that I want to share or that I've like been been gathering. You know, therapy's real good for me, y'all. So I think the first lesson I want to share is like um, rather than. Like, rather than suppress my emotions, I think it's very imp- important to cry it out when needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, I guess, feel. Feel what you're going through because, obviously, I come from a place of general trauma where I don't necessarily... I've been able to compartmentalize for years. It's, like, an uncanny superpower. Like, shit can happen to me and I still can say X, Y, Z needs to be done. I'll deal with that emotional fallout later yeah. and just kind of let that be that. And I have not done that this year. I've been, like... Deal with your shit. Cry it out when you need to cry it out. Feel the emotions you need to feel, but also make sure that you are, like, because of those emotions and what I'm feeling is very important for me to validate myself um, rather than seek the, like, outside validation from Mm -hmm. other people about, like, what I'm feeling and what I'm going through. Like, I first need to say, like, oh, Janae, this is real. You felt that way, and it's okay to feel those feelings regardless of what you're the people within your circle tell you. Yeah. So I think that's lesson one. Cry it out when that's needed. I like that one a lot. <laughs> I encourage crying at all times. <laughs> I was not like that, okay? I was a hard, hard cold. Yeah, I mean, listen, like I compartmentalize too, for sure. Because stuff's got to get done, like you said. But like, just, do I enjoy a good cry? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes when you're not even like that upset, you're just like, I got to get it yeah, I, 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 And I'm like, I, mean, I know like a, as women, like things. sometimes we just cry because like shit can be so frustrating. Like I'm definitely can be a frustration, oh, yeah. like a frustrated crier. Yeah. But I also this year I've just been like... I've been crying by feeling the emotions that I'm feeling. Yeah. And we'll get into that as we go well, down this list. Yeah. And like, let me clarify, like men are wrong a hundred percent when they like make fun of us for like having a time of the month. But listen, will I cry this week? Because it happens to be that week. <laughs> yeah, I will. Oh my God. I can I'm almost not, guarantee it. I'm not a PMS crier. <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> I like, I come become oddly well, calm. I think it's my... because I cry when I'm like frustrated. Like I cry for other reasons other than being sad. sad? So yeah. I, think like, I feel those things more strongly and then I'm like, I can't control it. I don't know. <laughs> You're like, what? Oh yeah. my goodness. Uh, okay. Rough so, times. <laughs> lesson two. <laughs> lesson two. Uh, lesson two. I think it is allowing. So 
allowing yourself the room to reflect on whatever you need to reflect on. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there was a notion that, you know, I was able to keep everything moving fast and fast paced and take on X, Y, Z and kind of not really allowing myself to reflect on things. I just be like, hey, this needs to change, change it. And I think there's a very good phrase out there that like, uh, if you want something done, you give it to a busy mom and they'll give it, they'll get it done, which pretty much says you can't reflect on shit if you're constantly, if you're yeah. constantly doing things, yeah. you're not really giving yourself the time that you need to properly reflect on things. And I've done a lot of reflection this year, which has pivoted a lot of what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And, you know, saying bye to certain things and just like embracing other parts of my life. And a lot of reflection happens in therapy. A lot of reflection happens in uh, uh, journaling. And I've reflected like on my relationships all, all out, like outside of Ethan and I, obviously I've done a lot of reflection on my relationship with Ethan and I and I've like I've decided like this is what it is and like I've sat down and you know like I for therapy one time I had a chronicle my 10-year relationship with Ethan wow <laughs> I know she asked for a oh lot oh my god I wouldn't remember a damn thing <laughs> she <laughs> asked for so much okay I, mean, I have no idea she was like <laughs> down we're just here now <laughs> she was just like girl I need you to I need you to write down the pivotal oh moments goodness. in your 10-year relationship. So, of course, I did that. Mm -hmm. And as we're, like, going through them and my various appointments, I'm like, okay, well, like, all right, I can I can validate and I can reflect on my portion of it. Um, I can mm -hmm. validate and reflect on what it was at that time without kind of, like, coming, without kind of trying to, like, sweep shit under the rug. I can yeah. say this is what it was. Um, and I think allowing myself to be honest in that truth has healed me so I feel like lesson two is just allow yourself room to reflect because with reflection comes growth and understanding yeah. of who you are as a person I think that's a really good one especially because you know like like you just said looking back on yourself like looking back on yourself with a little bit of grace and not saying like you were an idiot you made mistakes blah, yeah, blah. It's yeah. Like, no at that time I did what I thought was the right thing to yeah, do yeah not being and, yeah not being know, critical yeah and whether I would do it again is irrelevant kind of thing <laughs> right. Whether like current time me, <laughs> it is. It's so irrelevant. Oh Whether president would have put up with that is not part of the question. <laughs> okay, lesson three is so take the time, the space, reevaluate, reevaluate what's important and like what is decided for growth purposes. So I think like we've talked about this a few times throughout. Throughout our 20 plus episodes at this point mm -hmm. um about the fact that like it's easy to kind of get stuck into a routine to get stuck into doing something because like you feel obligated to finish it out mm -hmm. uh that you don't really allow yourself to kind of like take the space to see what else is out there to kind of see what is new like do you have new passions and I think one of that thing one of those things for me is like uh, audit and company pretty much ceased not ceased to exist but it just ceased yeah because I needed it to cease because I kind of just needed to see what life looked like a little bit without it um, rather than like kind of staying on something because I felt obligated to stay on yeah. to something. So I think just kind of taking the time and I, I've never ever allowed myself to take the time. You know, I was like, okay, you're going to accomplish this go do it. You're going to accomplish that. Go do it. You need to do X, Y, Z. Go do it. You said you were going to do this. Follow through on your commitment, you mm -hmm. know? And that was like, my thing is like, 
I had a follow through on commitments and that commitment was Auden and Co. Cause I started it, you know, we had a, a good general flow yeah. going for years and years. Um, so I think like that's a huge lesson and like, I obviously didn't want to let it go cause it was my baby. Yeah, but it, it doesn't go away. It I mean, doesn't go away. If you want to pick it up tomorrow, you could. Like, yeah. 100%. Not... 100%. She is. She's still there thriving. Okay. Um, lesson four of this shenanigans is own your shit. I mean, like we kind of had a whole episode about like leaning into your shit. Yeah. Yeah. There's this whole thing about owning your shit. And I've said before that it was important for me to say like, I am accountable for this action that led to this reaction. Therefore I need to say sorry you mm-hmm. know we're like i am accountable for things going the way that they are going because quite frankly i am the master of my own life i'm the pilot of my own life i am the person who controls my reactions i'm the person who controls my reactions and just kind of like owning that on every front and saying like okay yeah this is me i did do that i 100 own that like that's my choice that's my decision and not really not really second guessing my decisions has kind of been pivotal this year. I'm like, yeah. I'm kind of doing it. Like within that same thing, I'm like, I feel like this is like coming off like cocky and confident. It's like, it's not even just cocky and confident because like there was a time that for a good chunk of this year that I was like, oh, did I make the right decision? Or, oh, yeah. is this the right path? Or what am I doing? La, 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 la. And like, sometimes I still kind of feel that way. Um, not as much because I'm like, I'm actively like, own your shit. This is currently where you are and that's okay. Yeah. Let that be that. It doesn't really matter what people think or how they feel or X, Y, Z. Just own your shit. Yeah. Own your shit. It's Share your shit bit, with the world. It's a little bit like, what's the worst that could happen? Kinda. <laughs> Kinda. Like, it's less confidence and more just like, what could really be... It's like, kind of it. I'm like... What could absolutely be the worst possible What, go, what could go, what could go wouldn't wrong? wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> like, what could go wrong? Yeah. I think hopping off of that with owning your own shit naturally leans into boundaries. Like, owning your own shit leads 100% into placing the correct boundaries. And yeah. I think for a hot minute, like, I thought my boundaries were, like, super awesome and they were, like, great. And I was like wow, I'm like the super mature person and my boundaries are like on point. But after reflecting in therapy, I realized that actually my boundaries were too rigid um, and they were too rigid with the wrong people. So I needed to learn to re-adapt them. So like technically speaking with my boundaries, Ethan were too porous and he needed actually a little bit more, a little bit more rigid when it came to my boundaries with him um, and like adjusting like some of the boundaries that I had like with accepting biological family members into the fold and like having that conversation and you know being open to kind of seeing like what is out outside of like my adoptive family and out kind of outside of my like mom's side biological wise and just kind of taking that in Um, but at the same point still having boundaries and like saying still saying like this is kind of where I'm at like you can see me but no you cannot see my son because that's like a common common thread yeah yeah. it's a common thread it's like oh my god you have a son i'm like yeah but he's untouchable bitch so like that's like literally how i feel (laughs) yeah but i'm his bodyguard (laughs) that's like 100% (laughs) how i feel like i'm like he's untouchable like you can talk to me but like he will not yeah be showing up um and again it's like it's having boundaries it's being aware that your boundaries are pretty much there and it's also to be aware that boundaries make people uncomfortable because if you have boundaries and those who are uncomfortable with your boundaries, that means that they were benefit benefiting off of you having 
lack of boundaries. Yeah. So they are benefiting of taking advantage of you, right? Gaslighting you, whatever it may be. Yeah. It's I'm not like, a relationship. It's not. It's 100% not. not. It's not a healthy relationship. So I think that that's like where I like learning that boundaries are such a spectrum of like what it can mean and how you can have them and what's important about like taking like taking advantage of boundaries and making sure that I was respecting other people's boundaries but not to the point where like I was isolating myself or feeling like I was a burden but I just was generally genuinely respecting yeah their place and their boundaries that they had in place so I'm like I feel like that's an important lesson for this year is um making sure that my connection to the respecting boundaries doesn't influence the relationships that I have because I feel like I'm a burden or I'm going to encroach on their, on their boundaries. Yeah. I think that's a really good point though, too, because like you said, you know, you kind of have to, depending on the person, you kind of have to adjust your boundaries accordingly. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because I feel like a lot of times people have a hard time doing that because it's like, well, if I set a boundary, then it should be that way across the board kind of thing. Yeah. And that's not all. And it's not, that's one, it does not work that way. Like there are a lot of people in my life that have very different boundaries and even within that relationship boundaries will unfortunately have to change because I'm yeah. giving you an opportunity right to kind of like tell kind of show me if you're going to respect mm-hmm. my boundaries and if it's going to be a healthy relationship and if for some odd reason you don't respect my boundaries then I have to remove myself from the situation because yeah. I told you what it was I allowed you the space to act accordingly you decided not to act accordingly therefore I had to remove myself. Mm -hmm. Now, that was, like, not something that I did before. Before, it was, like, you just don't have access to me. And that was, like, very clear cut. Like, you don't have access to me because I assumed that everyone was literally not going to respect my fucking boundaries. So, I limited my access. I'm not doing that as much. Um, And I'm, like, kind of realizing that, yeah, boundaries can make people uncomfortable. And that's, like, 100% okay. Because I also believe that not everything has to come with an explanation as to why you're doing something or exercising a certain boundary. Like, you don't have to explain or over-explain to anyone why you're doing a certain thing. Yeah. So, it's a little wild, you know. It's a little wild. Um, okay, so my next lesson, lesson six, is my identity can change. I can morph. I spent the last six years being a boss bitch, and uh, it was awesome. I was, I was a boss bitch. It was cool. I was in most, I was in a lot of rooms, sitting at a lot of tables, doing a lot of things, having a lot of fun, running my business, um, and I I was having a hard time letting go of that that part of me because that part of me is like it was so essential to my growth in my you know early twenties, you know such a it was so, it was like so pivotal into me like becoming who I am like finding finding my business finding that power and like running audit and company with company culture that I liked and you know at sourcing resources for young div- individuals and just like having fun with what I was doing, creating. It was a very, very, very essential part of who I was as a person, um, especially at the time that I, I had come, came up with it, <laughs> that I had fostered this wonderful ideas because I was in the place where like I had had a plan A. Plan A did not work because 
cheerleading. Uh, <laughs> which, go ahead and pop back to my audacious journey a, story because... <laughs> yeah, that was quite the plan A. Yeah. Uh, plan A was awesome, and I, st- I had to mourn that loss, but it didn't feel as big as this morning where yeah. I'm, like, morphing into a, a different identity. It didn't feel, like, so... Ah, like when I decided that I wasn't going to go into pre-med because my head, my brain wasn't working right. It was kind of like, okay, well, you have this, you have this creative juice anyway you always have as a hobby. And it kind of felt like right to lean into it. While at this point, like my identity shifting kind of feels like I was letting myself down, you know, with shifting out of being a boss bitch. And I'm just going to keep saying that because whatever. But yeah, shifting out of being heavily into running my business and like kind of like taking a back seat I kind of was like I was mourning so many things I was mourning the loss of like doing something for myself mm-hmm. um I was mourning the loss of like a lot of my friendships are based on business interactions and uh, you know like so I'm like oh we're doing xyz because we're working for a client and then we're like going to get yeah. food it's like a lot of my friendships are based on my business relationships so I was like I was just mourning a loss of things uh, but at the same time, like, this is, like, I guess a conjointing lesson. It's, like, a, a 6.2. Uh, <laughs> lesson 6.2 was, like, I kind of realized that, like, I was actively fighting to maintain the what I was maintaining before. But, like, that was no different from what I, I, I was doing my entire life. It was no different from me being five, you know, and fighting to take care of my siblings. It was, like, no different from me being, you know, 15 and fighting to do, have my, you know, elective change to internships is like no different from fighting to make sure college was what it was, even though like the forces were against me. But I was like, quite frankly, I've actually been in fight mode my entire life, fighting, fighting to maintain, fighting to be present, fighting to literally fill this position that I needed to fill. And quite frankly, I was like, I wanted, I was like, you're tired. Remove yourself yeah. from, remove yourself, remove the boxing glove, remove yourself from fighting. Um, and I think that was like something that I also learned with like um, um, Ethan and my relationship with Ethan. I was like, technically speaking, I was like not really competing, but like I was fighting to make sure that there was space for me and my relationship space for my business. And I'm like, that's what it was. It was like, oh, Janae, you're a new mom, but yeah, you gotta keep those that business coming in. Oh, you're a mom of a toddler, your toddler's demanding you more, but like you committed, you gotta keep, you gotta keep fighting, you gotta keep fighting, you gotta keep fighting. And I was like, actually, I actually don't. <laughs> I don't need, I don't need to have, I don't need to pull from my trauma to continue to fight. Like I'm, I'm not in the same place I was. Like, my, my mental state is not in the same place I was. I don't really have anything to prove. So I guess that's my, my six and 6.2 yeah. lesson. I have a question. So, like, oh consider it 6.5. But <laughs> do you think... I love how we're skipping by, like, twos and threes. <laughs> do, you, do you think that... Obviously, it's a mix of things that kind of, like, led you to this break and being okay with this break and all of that. But do you think it came more from... Like, do you think this would have happened if you wouldn't have had Ollie when you did? Do you think... I 100% think that it would not have happened if I didn't have Ollie okay. when I did. 
I think I would have maintained so, through the pandemic. I think I would have continued to do okay. it. So you think motherhood is kind of like the driving force that's made you slow down a little bit? I 100... I think it's it's a combination of things. I think obviously... Oliver is is innocent in everything that he does. Like, right, he is he can't take care of himself. And I think, like, as I, I've said this before, like, Ethan and I, quite frankly, we, we rock and roll in parallel lives. Like, yeah. I could accomplish what I needed to accomplish. He could accomplish what he needed to accomplish. And there was really, there wasn't really much relying on one another that we needed to do mm-hmm. because we were, we were our own people. But at the same point... <laughs> At the same point, changed, yeah. it changed. We had Oliver and Oliver, he needed mom and it didn't change. And I just like, I think the fighting, like, I think the changing force for me was the simple fact that like, I was having a conversation, not really a conversation, honestly, I was having an argument with Ethan about how like I couldn't, like, that's also another thing that I'm kind of changing, um, is that I am not call. I'm not like downplaying some of the more toxic things in my relationship. <laughs> I'm not downplaying them. Mm-hmm. So like it wasn't it wasn't a conversation. It was an argument about like, hey, I need more time to work. Like I am actively like saying, hey, like I'm trying to set up a schedule. Like you can take them for this amount of hours. Like I just need to stay consistently yeah. doing something. Like I can I can expand my timeline for clients and say it's gonna take me a little longer yeah, yeah. because I don't work you know, Every 16 day. hour yeah. days anymore for seven days a week. And like, he literally looked me in my face and he said, I cannot give that to you. And I do not want to give that to you because I do not want to slow my pace for anything. He, he tried to put it diplomatically, but quite frankly, it came out. I did not want to slow my pace down for, to accommodate, to yeah. accommodate what you need and to accommodate kind of being a dad, right? He feels that his contribution to being a dad is finances um and leaving a legacy i feel like it's a little deeper than that and that you can't ruin you can ruin your kids by not being engaged and involved and i just said i i mean i cried that night and i just said you know what fighting to have something stay up and running is not worth oliver's suffering i go having having the will to fight for my i guess portion right? Of time, my portion of mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. I go, it's not worth Oliver being traumatized. I go, it's just not worth me putting that stress on him because Ethan refuses to do what he needs to do to accommodate his partner. And I just like, I think that was my break. And I think that happened like maybe in November or December of last year. So I'm like, it wasn't even, it was still months before I even said like, Okay, well, this... Yeah, I started working with you in November last yeah, year. Yeah, that was a, that was a rough-ass time, <laughs> honestly. It was a That's rough... I started November 1st of last yeah. year. It's, it's wild. It was like, it literally was like an insane thing because I'm like, I, I had such big plans mm-hmm. when oh, I hired I you. <laughs> I had like such big plans and I'm like, I am a girl who's like, if we... I'm like, you know, you've worked for me before this even happened. Mm-hmm. If... We need to accomplish something. Something will get done. Yeah. I will find a way for it to get done. I had very, very big plans, and I'm like, and I'm like, I had plans. That I was speaking with multiple business mentors. We were planning. We were financial planning. Like, I had great big plans. Like, and I spent majority of the beginning of this year, like working actively, working on the the business side of Creatively Stock. I would be on walks on 
on a phone call. Like mm-hmm. I'll be on walks with Ali to keep at the playground on an Excel sheet with my financial advisor, keeping this alive. And I'm like, Janae, you're busting your ass. For what? For what? I'm like, for what? I go, for what? I'm like, I think you need to take a step back. You need to kind of like redetermine what what this looks like and decide like if things, if you can rearrange it, what things would you prioritize? You're kind of like doing too much and you're going to continue to fight with Ethan because quite frankly, Ethan has main character energy. Um, <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. And he likes to be main character, so That's he a wasn't very nice way <laughs> for you to phrase that. He wasn't sharing. He wasn't sharing the spotlight and he didn't want to share the time. And I really was like, I, I just believe there's multiple ways that you can traumatize your kid, that you can pass on generational trauma. And one of those ways is that you can be trying to strive for something so bad that you're technically still mimicking behaviors that affected you as a child, even if your kid has everything that he needs. And I just was like reflecting on that and just saying like, it is not, I go, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to hustle this hard. It's not worth it to continue to maintain um, and almost like grasp as straws if Ali is going to be the one who suffers. I'm like, I'm a fucking adult. So I'm like, I can always come back to it if I need to be come back to it. Exactly. Um, yeah, so yeah, my identity can morph, which was, was six, six, six point two and six point five. <laughs> so now we're on seven. <laughs> um, so seven is <laughs> kind of leading. It's kind of leading off of six. Perfect. Six point five um, is that there's no village in motherhood, and motherhood is very lonely. So that's my lesson. There's no village in motherhood, and mother is motherhood is very lonely. And I I think that people don't get it. I think that they assume that, oh, you know. I promise like, people don't get it. People really don't get it. They're like, oh, you have an entire, it takes a village to raise a kid. And I'm like, okay, well, where the fuck is the village? Because I'm with my kid 99.9% of the time. Like, yeah. I, it doesn't change. Like, he's That's with, just a cute thing that, like, grandparents and aunts and stuff like to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, but where the fuck are you? Okay, like, yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. You, you guys all love to say that. And maybe, maybe, maybe in another generation, it actively did take a village to raise a child. Okay, but there, there's there's differencing in parenting, right? From our parents' generation mm-hmm. to my generation of parents that sometimes don't align. There's boundaries that need to be put in place that kind of says, you know, you can't really necessarily engage in this village if you're not going to follow my rules and I'm not fighting you for the safety and security of my child. Like, I'm not fighting the village for them to follow the rules of the parent. Like, it's not worth it at that point. And I'm like, and motherhood is very lonely. Like, I actively am in the house majority of the time unless I go out with Oliver or I take him out. Um, And I rarely have adult interaction. Uh, And it's like, it's cool. I love Oliver and Oliver's fucking hilarious. (laughs) 110% of the time. Um, But... Speaking English is also cool. <laughs> right. Like, speaking adult English is also right. cool speaking, once in a while. <laughs> not, not speaking baby, baby yeah. blabber. And Molly's a pretty good talker. Like, you pretty much can pretty much understand oh, yeah. him. And he, he's funny, but I'm like, it's But it's still, about toys. Like, it's, it's not, you know, there's no content. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> about imaginative play, 100%. Yeah. About Peppa Pig and Bluey. But <laughs> Shout out. Peppa Pig, Bluey, and cars of any kind. But otherwise than that, it's like extremely, it's extremely lonely. Like I don't have, 
a lot of adult conversations anymore. Again, a lot of that was based on, a lot of conversations that I had were kind of based on business. And I kind of like, as I'm reflecting on this, I'm kind of saying like, that's low key was toxic ass behavior, honestly, (laughs) to kind of have, to have accidentally formed majority of my friendships and relationships based off business was kind of toxic. And like, I'm constantly saying like, oh, you know, like, it's also very hard as a mom to like, hey, I want to plan this. Like, yeah, let's have our kids over together because you're like, it's either kind of a hit or miss. Either your kid's like down for it at that time and it like works or maybe they get sick. It's the pandemic. You don't want to pass germs because everything is considered COVID, you know, in some essence. So I'm like, motherhood is extremely lonely. It's even more lonely when your partner's in their own world Mm -hmm. uh, and can only talk about the thing that they want to talk about because that's how hyper-focused they are and you're like oh okay you know like and like I'm the oldest of all my siblings so naturally they're all out there living their young lives (laughs) living their young lives having the time of their life as they should right as they Mm -hmm. should but at the same time I'm also the oldest I don't necessarily have like the closest relationship with them because you know whatever trauma made me become a mom to kids that I was not a mom to because you know good old generational trauma so I think it's just like that's a lesson that I think I've just had to kind of like decide is that like yeah everyone loves that baby stage they love that like oh mom really needs you in that first year and I'm Mm -hmm. like I'm constantly like the advocate to say actually I didn't need you in that first year my kid was chill as hell he was chill as hell he sucked on the boob, lived his best life. Yeah. Pretty much was naked majority of the time. Like, the kid lived his life, all right? You don't really need, because, like, they don't do much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They don't do much, but once they start doing things and you realize, oh, I can't get shit done, and, oh, well, they need a, a constant routine, and, you know, oh, you need a potty train, and, you know, you need to make sure they're getting a, an essence of education and they can't stay too much on their iPad. Otherwise, you're a, a badass mom. And you got to make sure they have some essence of healthy meals. Otherwise, you're a badass mom. I like. I think you start to like kind of realize that you don't really need help in that first year. You need help in the years to follow after that to accomplish anything in life. And I'm like, I don't, I have a really hard time when people try to say that they don't understand how moms lose their identity or like how moms get so morphed into motherhood that they can't find themselves because I'm like okay well if that's what you were doing 24 7 because it's not really a you don't yeah. really get a break then you too would lose yourself you know why because again they can't take care of themselves they're yeah. little they can't take care of themselves they need pretty much help no matter how Montessori wise you set up your shit <laughs> yeah. okay they still need help accomplishing things and Oliver is a great communicator he literally was like I was trying to get ready this morning. He was like, Mommy, I, I just want to cuddle. I just want to sit on the couch and cuddle. He's dressed already, waiting for Grandma. He was like, I just want you. I just want to sit on the couch and cuddle. I'm like, okay, so, you know, I was amazed that I got dressed and makeup on before Alex walked in. <laughs> but I'm like, that's what he wanted to do, and that's what I had to stop everything I was doing to meet that. He needs a nap, stop everything to do to meet that. Hopefully he goes down for his nap and I can get away, mm-hmm. you know? I'm like, it's really not about me, so it's very easy to lose your identity, and it's very easy to just kind of realize how lonely it is in motherhood and that you guys should give people a lot more grace for that. Moms deserve a lot more grace. 100%. That I can tell you from not even being one. Yeah. That's clear. Yeah, 100%. Um, okay. Oh, wow. I, look, I stacked these up so perfectly. <laughs> okay. Good job, Cass <laughs> Being a present 
emotionally well mom is more important than being a boss babe, um, which is lesson number eight. So like I said, mourning the loss of something that I was like heavily connected to was something that I felt I, like I let myself down um, because I'm like, okay, like you could have did this. Like, you know, I think mm-hmm. we had said like, if I had more support, I could be like a fucking superwoman, mm-hmm. but also fuck being superwoman, Wonder Woman, yeah. because at the same time, like, why is that even, like, why is that even an option? Like, why do moms have to wear the, the honor of being Wonder Woman yeah. and accomplishing things? And like, I hate that compliment. Like, oh, but it's also like within yourself you want to yeah if you you genuinely want to be you're not just being forced to be and the thing is like i don't really right i don't really half-ass anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) that i commit to i don't half-ass a single thing so if i if i'm gonna be an entrepreneur ceo i'm gonna be an entrepreneur ceo and i'm gonna fucking accomplish it i'm gonna be a mom i'm gonna be a badass mom and i'm going to like a badass not like a bad but you get it like a, a dope Ass yeah, mom. this time it's badass. One okay. word. One Not word. Badass. <laughs> you know? <laughs> mom, and I'm going to do that. But like I said, society is not set up for moms to thrive in every aspect of their life. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, like you have these, these toddlers and like it is pretty much expected that you take a break to raise them because society does not give you a village that allows you to do that. It, that allows you to kind of go after your aspirations as well as raise your kid. And as much as I wish that was not the case, it is 100% yeah. the case. And I just felt that like being emotionally present and doing things with Oliver throughout the day was more important than me being on the computer for six hours a day mm-hmm. and hoping that like he kind of survives, you know, Maybe with grandma, maybe not with grandma, maybe with dad, you know, just like hoping that like he got the attention. I was just like, it's it's, a priority shift. It is. It's 100% was a priority shift. Um, And like I said, I was fighting to make sure I could do them both because I love them both. But I'm like, once you kind of see the damage that you're potentially inflicting because, you know, you're constantly arguing um, to get time and you're stressed out and that stress goes to your kid, you're like, nah, it's not really worth it. Yeah. It, it'll work out how it needs to work out. Yeah. And then number... Woo! Number nine. <laughs> Almost there. Um, is... I think the biggest... I think this lesson for me... This lesson is definitely like... For a, a young, a young Janae, and I like I keep continuing telling myself this, you have done enough with your second chance to be okay with taking a break. Meaning that I view my adoption as a second chance at life because quite frankly, it was not it really what I was stacked not to go the way that I did go. Yeah. Like it was stacked pretty much for me not to finish high school, you know, Mm -hmm. for me not to graduate high school, for me to be a super young mom, uh, maybe a a young mom of many, like the odds were actively stacked against me in the environment that I was in before I was adopted. So I view that as a second chance to accomplish things that just, to accomplish things that I think well, well around, like multiple people in multiple fronts would be proud of me but honestly I think it was like past Janae's would be proud of what I accomplished and I kept that was my mindset it's like oh this is your second chance you don't waste a second chance you do xyz you don't waste a second chance you follow through you accomplish what you need to accomplish and you you, without fail you do not cave to anything because you are given a second chance to 
do better, to be better, to be better for generations to come. And, and you are, quite frankly, like, <clears throat> I would be considered the, you know, say it's my little sister in college right now, but I would be considered like one of the well-off adopted kids from the bunch, you know, like the one who did well, you know, she had a business, she was doing speakings, you know, like you can still to this day, you can actively see my company's branding plastered around Cleveland, you know, like, again, if, if you knew, you knew, and that second chance was like, okay, wow, she's really doing it. So to say to myself, okay, well, you're not doing it. And when people are like, oh, well, what are you doing with business? And I'm like, honestly, right now there's nothing. And I kind of like soft whisper it. Mm -hmm. And now at this point, it's like, I'm taking a break and I'm owning that. I'm taking a break for myself. Like you, I've, I think I've done enough with my life to have benefited from this being a second chance. And I don't have to continue to top myself as I go on but I do think that the biggest you know hurrah to a second chance is raising a kid who will never repeat what my mom yeah. did and never yeah. repeat what my grandma did you know I think that that tops what it I think that tops generally like um kind of dealing with that that rhetoric that internal monologue that I have is like oh yeah like oh yeah Janae like Quite frankly, like at the moment you decided to bring a kid into this world is the moment that you technically are passing the baton, and like not in a not in like a overarching helicopter mom way, but like I brought a kid into a, a pretty good situation, like yeah. a well enough yeah. situation, it's good to know that like okay at this point like you, you set yourself up well enough like to know that your second chance is now shifting and you you have. I don't know what to say second. You have a third, fourth, fifth chance to raise a kid who will not be plagued by the generational trauma, the generational abuse, the generational neglect that you, that your mom, that your grandma, that her grandma went, that her mom went through. And you can just let that be. Like, I think that's the biggest lesson that I've learned. My second chance, I've done enough with my second chance. Yeah. It is now time for me to go into my second leg of life onto my new my new persona, the new yeah. Janae, and raise my kid how I want to be raised. If something entrepreneurial comes out of that, so be it. If something doesn't come out of that, so be it. I like my mom is constantly, she come over and she was like, hmm, you okay? Uh, what about business? I was like, girl, business is what it is. I'm currently very much at peace um, and I'm okay with being at peace and doing it in small doses. Uh, so I think that those are my, those are my nine, nine lessons yeah. from this very interesting year. They're they're all very good. I can't think of anything better. <laughs> I'll let you know in a couple years. <laughs> well, we'll ask Alex this <laughs> this next year <laughs> on her birthday in oh, July. Good. We'll we'll give her a chance to share That'll what her lessons fun. are. Because uh, you know mine are always deep. Yeah, but I don't know shit by twenty four. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. I was <laughs> one year to business. I can tell you. It was my uh-oh year, so I had a lot of shit. Oh, good. I had a lot of shit to share. Thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> so much shit thanks to share. Thanks for that energy. That is my <laughs> nine lessons to bring in my 29th birthday. Happy early birthday. Muchas gracias, darling. <laughs> uh, so we will see you next week with a new episode of the Audacity Podcast.